Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Evolving Engineering and Construction Brands podcast with your host, Matthew Winkelstein. This week's guest is someone that I had the opportunity to meet last year. Um, fantastic presenter, fantastic speaker, and even better person. I wanted to have him on this week to talk about communication because I believe communication it's always been important, but it continues to be more and more important for us to communicate concisely, consistently, and communicate about things that people care about. And I've said this a million times, relationships aren't going any, anywhere. Relationships are more important than ever, but the way we form relationships is changing and the mediums that we have to communicate through are changing. And so if you have the ability to communicate to a large group of people and make personal connections, then that's going to put you in a, in a strong position. And if your team can do that, especially engineering construction companies that have seller doers, your company is going to be put in a strong position. So our guest this week is John Petz. Um, John does a good job of talking about his history in the opening, so I'm not going to go through that now. But uh, John is one of those fantastic communicators. He believes in putting the relationship first. He believes in forming relationships. He has a rich history in sales. He's been a public speaker and sales trainer now for the better part of 19 years. So a lot of expertise here in this episode. He gives some practical tips and we talk about uh, how we first met and a funny story from the interim conference of how he showed me what it was like to be a professional speaker and just a true professional. So without further ado, let's get in the episode. Hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did recording it. John. It is great to see you again. I feel like it's been so long. It's only been nine months, but it feels like years because we made such a strong connection and you impacted me so much. A story I'm going to tell here in a second. But for the rest of my audience who doesn't know who John Petz is, which is crazy to me because everyone should know who John Petz is. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about what you do? Absolutely. And Matthew, so good to see you. It was a great time we had together and we learned from each other and thrilled that we can kind of reconnect here. Now I'm an author, I'm an entrepreneur, a magician, and a speaker. And those uh, people think, oh, how does that all go together? And in the end, what does it really mean? I feel that I help people connect. Uh, it's that lost art of human connection right now. And how do I do that? I do that primarily as a professional speaker and as an author, getting to share with audiences around the globe to help them increase their connection so they can build their business, sell more product, connect with more people. Yeah. I love that. That's why I thought you would be so good for this podcast and this episode when we talked about evolving engineering construction brands, because, you know, relationships are never going away. And especially when you're dealing with high consequence projects that we're dealing with multi millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars, you need to be able to trust people. And so what I love about your message is you help people build trust quickly and build those connections. And so there's not a leader out there that's listening to this that isn't thinking, I want to be able to build more relationships, more connections, and I want my team to be able to do the same. So thanks again for agreeing to come so on true. here. And I'll even share one thing I see it as, I think oftentimes in business and in leaderships, we want to conquer those relationships to succeed. And we soon learn that we don't conquer relationships to succeed. It's a series of simple moments that matter to the people that we serve. So how can you identify and deliver those moments and make those moments trusted and make the connection? So yeah, right on it. Absolutely. You kind of glossed over you're an author, a magician, an entrepreneur, all these different things you do. Why don't you back up a little bit and tell us how did you right. get started into public speaking? Kind of a tech entrepreneur. So, you know, technology, sales, and marketing guys, my background, the professional background, performing as a magician since a kid. You do birthday parties and the fun stuff. And in high school, I did little elements, but really didn't get back into it till I was working really in the telecom industry and I had a lot of fun with it. 
quit my telecom job, which was a pretty good sales job and was performed and survived as a magician. Jumped back into the tech world after a few years because I needed to, you know, I survived. I had good credits and I traveled and I had a ball and dot-com wrote it all the way up, rode the dot-com boom all the way down, ended up in the insurance industry, had the job I think I always wanted, the corner office, the company Mercedes, the country club membership, but I was, I was still performing. No, it's freelance. But I was also doing a lot of sales training, sales inspiration. I had about 250 sales reps that we managed. And I started having the meetings, but I made them fun. I brought some of the comedic angles, some of the entertainment pieces into it. Then I had other sales teams of people I knew. Hey, would you come talk to my sales team? You think you could do that for us? And, and in June of 04, I left the corner office corporate world and been on the road and helping sales teams do a lot of sales and service, but I've taken those moments and some of those elements into every imaginable industry and organization since then. So there is the short version of how I got here in a sec. That was a great story. You're very succinct at how you tell your story. It's again, inspirational to me. So I appreciate that. And you've been in this for a while and you've been successful. And one of the things we were talking about before we got recording was you have so much more credibility than you tell people through social media. Sometimes people use social media and they can make themselves seem more credible than they are. You're like the opposite. If people just looked at your social media, they might think, oh, but what's he really up to? And then when you know him, it's like, oh, wow, John is doing a lot, has done a lot. And one of the things that really struck me is we met at the interim conference and preparing for yeah. the interim conference. And that was a lot of fun. And I was like, wow, I'm going to get to work with this well-known speaker. And I did my research on you and was just impressed with your pedigree and your history. And I probably had something in my mind of how you were going to be when we got to the conference. And when we got there, it was like completely different than what I imagined. And one of the things oh. that really struck me is there were two things. Number one, your professionalism. I was like, okay, this is what a professional is like. This is what a professional speaker is. And then also your humble, get it done attitude, Thanks. not to get into too much of the details, but the interim conference was, uh, it was a good conference, but it was also a little bit of building the airplane as you're flying. And we got there and John is literally backstage, moving chairs, organizing sound, organizing when everyone's going to come out. It was so inspiring to me. I was like, all right, I remember I sweat through my suit because we we're moving so much stuff around and getting things set up on stage. And I was like, this is what it's about. I was just so impressed with that. And I loved that. And I want to tell a quick story and then get your perspective yeah. on it. Cause the professionalism thing really came into play where I realized what it takes to be at the level you're at. We had an Ohio state Senator there and I was supposed to go on after him. And he was supposed wow. to take, I think an hour to an hour and a half and his speech bombed. He was telling jokes and no one was laughing. And you were keen to paying attention to that. I was trying to organize the round table and the guests to get all that going. And then he finished like 45 minutes earlier, 30 minutes early. I don't remember the exact amount, but I remember saying, Oh, we'll just let everyone go to break. You go, no, we got to go. Like you got to go on now. I got to go on now. We got to entertain this guest until your guests are ready. And you're I just remember you like not literally, but figuratively taking me under your arm and getting me on stage and helping me get through that super awkward, uncomfortable moment I wasn't ready for. And you helped with some of the things that you already had prepared, but you really stepped up in that moment and showed me what a professional speaker is, what a professional communicator is. And so I'm curious, like if you remember that the same way I do and what your perspective is on that and how you can help other people be ready for those moments where you have to present when you have to present. Wow. That's, and thank you for sharing the story. I don't know how many events I've done. I, someone asked me the other day, I bet I've done 2000 events 
when I had to try to ballpark something. So I've been in those situations. So that certainly helps. And I call them showtime moments as I refer to them as when you never know when you're going to be in the spotlight sometimes, but instantly you have to be ready to perform, to react, to adapt. And in that case, it was. If we lose our audience, which was in a disengaged format, we're never going to get them back. So we had to go out there instantly and bring something of value as well as some type of relief and exhale to get them re-engaged and laughing. I got to go back to your question. What do I remember about the moment? I remember thinking, we have to do this now. And what are we going to do? And I think I even did some little piece of entertainment. And then we sat down and we talked for a little bit until we could bring them up. And it was engaging. It was unique. And it was a little bit off script, which I think also was valuable because it seemed improvisational to the audience, which is very authentic and real. And that connects rather than coming up and reading a prompter and me doing your introduction and instantly going back into a panel. Be ready at any moment. Be ready for the showtime. You never know when you're going to be in the spotlight. I don't know how I could better do that. Now, I assume that's probably not the first time you ran in that situation, but I also assume no. that you have a certain level of preparedness that you have, not just for what's on script, but off script that told you, hey, we need to do this because we were never planning on doing a two-person interview. But what you just described no. was you and I ended up spending 10 minutes on stage and you were... Just asking me some fantastic questions. Yes. If you also remember, one of the guests was late. So one of the round oh. table guests was late at the same time that the center finished early. So we were up there for what seemed like for me forever. I felt like I was dying. And then when you came and really helped me and did the interview and you really helped put me at ease too, where it was like, oh, it's good. okay, we're going to get through this. We got to keep people engaged. And so what do you do mm -hmm. to prepare for those moments when you know, inevitably you're going to have to go off script, but you're not really sure how or when, how do you get yourself prepared for that going into a big speech or presentation? Honestly, a lot of it's experience. I mean, there has been times I have bombed because something happened. I'll even tell you one element where I did bomb and it was, I was the MC. It wasn't a keynote and it was MPI world education Congress. I mean, there's like 4,000, 5,000 people in this thing. And they brought in a minor celebrity, kind of a Hollywood person. They had 25 minutes to speak. And she comes up to that microphone and before I could get off the stage and being done with a formal introduction, I swear they were done, done. It was like one minute, like something happened. It was awful. And I was like, turn right back around. So experience is a number one. As a speaker, I always will have a two minute, a four minute, a six minute, a 10 minute in my mind. If someone says we got to stretch, this is happening. So I look at that as the insurance policy story that has to have strategic value that's going to relate to where your next speaker is. So I guess that comes back to the preparation side of, and this is from the professional MC side, what is each speaker talking about? What is their main outcome? So doing a little research on my speakers, on what their content is, and always in the back of the mind, ready to flash back, flash forward, or do some type of reference to their content. So it's prep, it's experience. Yeah. And the other thing I heard in that is you're not taking things at face value. You might be told one thing, but you got to be thinking about other things that maybe they're not even thinking about that could impact you and the message that you need to communicate. I'll circle back here. I have three takeaways from my experience with you. And I want to give you a chance to respond to them one at a time. The first sure. takeaway I had was if you want it to go well, you have to make it go well. And you did that in multiple areas when literally we were moving chairs and organizing the way it was going to go before people got in the room. And then when that moment happened where we had to fill a long gap of, okay, there's a huge gap in the agenda now, how do we do it? So how do you make that happen? How do you prepare for that to happen? Perfect example from a week ago. And I appreciate you noticing that. So there's three aspects of what I do. I do a lot of opening, closing, keynote, one hour, 
and talk about the lost art of human connection. Two is MC. And oftentimes when I MC people in this, like in interim, like how can you help us produce a better conference? So this was a, an HR conference recently and they had a one page run a show. It was a one day conference. So like, we just figure you improv all this. I'm like, I'm glad you think it appears that way. And I actually came back with a run. It was 14 pages with audio cues. It's looking at the very fine details of what could go wrong, what will go wrong, because there's three shows that happens. There's the show you plan, the show that happened, and the show you would have done is what always happens. <laughs> so making it look improvisational really comes back to the fact that here's all the announcements. Here's the interest. It's detailed detail. Assets, run a show with the production team ahead of time. And that takes time. And if you want to do something virtually, it takes triple time. Oh, which not as much of that now, which is cool. Yes, definitely glad to be back in person. My second takeaway was, and you already talked about it, but I think it's worth circling back to, be ready at any moment. You were ready for oh, everything yeah. that came, no matter what it was. And so if you could give people some more tips on that, how are you ready at any moment? When I think especially with the audience being construction and engineering and people that are communicating in that field, a little bit of anticipation. I always ask myself, especially on the magic side, if something could go wrong, what is going to go wrong? And in magic, you have an out. You always have an out. Take the basics of a card trick. Be ready in any moment. If I'm forcing a card, which means you do a card trick, no matter what, and I'm ruining behind the scenes secret here, not really, but I can make you pick a card if I want to. What if they don't? My whole reveal is based on them but what if they don't? What if it goes wrong? I have an out. I always will go another direction and they'll never know that I was supposed to go the first direction. So if you're in whatever job you're in, what is your out strategy? And always have that in the back of your mind. I like that. And to make that a little more relatable to our audience, it's you want to talk about one piece of the scope. You want to talk about problems that you think the customer has. Sometimes when you get in the room, that's not the problems they have. And if you try and railroad through the problems that you thought they had before you went in there and you're not ready to discuss the problems they actually have, it's not going to come across well. And you're wow. a lot less likely to get the second opportunity to discuss what the real problems are. So I think that gets, you know, preparedness research, but it's thinking ahead and thinking about all these different things that could happen. Great, great reference. Yep. Anticipate those needs. And then lastly, my last takeaway was keep the audience engaged. So I think this is a little bit unfair advantage for you because you're a magician, although you've earned it through. I was amazed with your tricks and so was the audience. That's all anyone talked about the rest of the show was, how do you do this? Everyone was coming up and talking to you. How'd you do this? How'd you do that? When you're out at the bar that night, everyone's how did this happen? If you've ever been to a conference in Columbus, you know, Char Bar is the spot. And Char Bar was just everyone talking about how did John Pets do this? And I think even in your speech, you talk about making people say, do it again. But yeah. our audience, they're not magicians. Mm -hmm. So how do you try and keep an audience engaged when you're not a magician and maybe you're not as funny? What do you need to do to prepare for those moments? And I'm so glad you shared that. I was a very shy kid, which few people would believe, but ma magic is the fascination effect. And by no means do you have to have an entertainment value, but what do people talk about? People talk about moments of, of memorability, of impact, of unique, of wow, surprise, of delight, but moments can be built into stories. You don't have to be funny, but how can you tell a story that hopefully is unique to you? Don't tell the starfish story, right? Remember that everyone tells something that is unique that takes them on a little bit of a journey. And if you can create that emotion, that's engagement. If you're going to throw up a slide with 16 bullet points, thanks for coming. Have a nice day. I'm in silent prayer mode. You know what that is, right? Mm -hmm. Silent prayer mode. 
Oh, down here on my phone, I'm typing that silent prayer mode. So <laughs> engage them with you. You have a unique gift, a unique talent, whatever it might be, but find different ways to bring story and emotion to it. Number one engagement tool. I like that because we all have lived experiences. And I think sometimes we underestimate our lived experiences and a great story can be told poorly and a poor story can be told greatly. And I think a lot of it based on what you're saying is preparation. So if you're listening to this and you're wondering, how do I become entertaining? Think about a thing that happened in your professional career that you could relate to multiple audiences that you speak to and get really good at telling that story. And then once you get really good at telling that story, learn how to tell another one. Would you say that's an accurate way for people to take it away? Yes, absolutely. And you're right. I loved how you said people can be bad storytellers, but there's a structure. Gosh, email either one of us. We can help you with that. There's things online, but knowing the outcome of your story, how do you want them to think, to act, to do, to behave differently as a result of your story? And then just build the little emotional flows, the little dynamics into the story to build it. There's a beginning, there's a challenge in the middle, and there's the end that resolves their problem. Awesome. Great practical advice for everyone listening to this. And yeah, I encourage everyone to check out John Pets, did John Pets experience because it's incredible. If you haven't had a chance to sit through it, if you sit through it, you'll understand why I'm so impressed and why everyone at Charbar was talking about it. So thanks for that practical tips. I want to get into some yeah. more questions just yeah. around amateur speakers, around amateur presenters. And then when we get towards the end here, I want to give you a chance to um Talk specifically about how people can work with you and what you really like to do that way. If people want to see the John Pets experience, they know how to do it. Before we get into that, what are the what are some of the biggest mistakes you see amateur speakers make? Biggest mistakes, I'd say number one is being overly scripted. A lot of people will memorize a speech and there's some value to that. But the moment you forget where you are, you go off script, done. And you have to just try to figure out where you are. So have the ability to know where you're going, but give yourself some leeway of if I have to have a side conversation or there's something where a question is asked that I can address that and always be back or, or know where I'm going. I tell people if they're doing a PowerPoint, use images. Images will always be triggers for where you want to go. And then it feels impromptu and more genuine and that of recited, recited, recited speech. I would also think making, we all will tell stories about ourselves, but in the end, when I said in the story element as tip number two, it's about them. As a result of you going through this story, this learning example, what can they learn from it? What does it mean to their business? The feel felt found. I know how you feel. I found, but as a result, here's what I learned about how we can better solve that product or program or challenge. So make sure you come back and make it about them in the end. I would say thinking it's easy is a tip. Even as I always want to use the word improvisational, no know your story, know the outcome, know the content. So if you do have to jump around, you can jump around. If you have to take 15 minutes out, you know exactly what's coming out. So that is rehearsal. It is practice. It's yourself being stupid in front of a mirror and that's okay. It's not easy to really connect and engage, but it just takes some time. So put that effort in. Absolutely. It's funny. I've had the honor of speaking to just very successful people. And I'm a avid content consumer, whether it's written word or through YouTube, you get the opportunity to understand how some of the smartest people in this world operate. And when you understand how they operate, it's not improv, it's dedication, it's practice, it's doing the boring work consistently when no one's looking. And we all have the boring work in our jobs that we can choose to skip over. Or we can really put the time and effort into it. And if we put the time and effort into it, the stuff that people see is going to be that much better. And if not, 
you're going to wish you did the boring work in that moment because you're going to be falling flat and that's not a comfortable place to be. No, that's, that's patience. It's controlling your energy and, and you're right. I like that. So this may be a little redundant, but I think it's worth asking you again. How can non-magicians work magic into their presentations? As a magician, my craft is to design those moments of unexpected. So what moment do you want them emotionally to walk away from you feeling? And how can you then walk backwards to craft that moment? And here is maybe even a method that you'll know what people relate to. If you're doing a presentation and you're engineer and reviewing the scope and you're presenting what your solution would be, it's the questions that follow. Like you think they're going to ask about, as you said, Matthew, X, Y, Z, and all of a sudden they come and start asking about this. So now you're really honing into that moment. So how can you adapt and take that moment and make it more meaningful as non-magicians making it you, what unique attribute do you have that others don't? I tell my daughter, I have three daughters, one put on a resume. She's like, I have nothing, but I can say the alphabet backwards. I'm like, put that on there. Just something as the memorability factor. Nobody talks about average, right? We talk about that connection. I think B2B is done and B2C is done. It is the H to H, the human to human. So what can you do as numbers just to create a little bit of a connection? The question you ask, the story to tell, the emotion you create. Look for ways of creating emotion. Love that, love that. So this is about evolving brands, engineering, construction brands. So I'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about that. Yeah. What is your favorite brand and why? I don't know if I could pinpoint one, but I'll pinpoint a mindset of my favorite brands. So a personal brand instead of an overall brand, because there's a lot of brands that could represent this, but the mindset of that's not my job versus the mindset of that's why I'm here. And it's the people that I relate to and I'll give you one. And one was actually National Car Rental. And I'm not promoting their brand necessarily, but I'm running back, trying to get rid of a rental car and just stressed out. I'm at the front desk. I'm giving the lady the keys. And I had one of those little toll booth transponders, whatever that you stuck that I had to rent for 10 bucks. And I'm like, and the car's like a five. She's like, do you have it? I'm like, oh. she's like, Mr. Pets, Mr. Pets, don't worry about it. That's why I'm here. And it was just that moment of, I got this. You go catch your plane. I'm going to take care of the issue for you because that's why I'm here. And I have so many different stories and elements where people, they're not just doing their job title, they're not doing just enough to get by. So I like individual personal brands and corporate brands that realize the fact that it's not just anything. We're here to serve you and we're here to create that experience for you. I love that because you live that, like that story of, you know, I get to the conference and you're rearranging chairs and working with sound check and helping the person that's actually supposed to be producing it, produce the event. It's like, you weren't there to do that. You were hired to do one thing and you took on all these other different roles and responsibilities to help make it go as well as possible. So I think that's awesome. And you live it. Well, so, and in the end you, you did too. And it wasn't about you. It wasn't about me. It wasn't about the sound person. It was about the thousand people sitting there in that audience that we were there to serve. All right. So the last question I'm going to ask you is so you can think about it a little bit is what's your best routine or habit. But before we get into what's your best routine or habit, I want to ask you, how can people work with you and how are you interested in helping people? Because I know that's another key thing to you is you like to serve others. And I think how I got into this, the bulk of my work and typically is that opening or closing keynote presenter. And I do speak about human connection to a lot of sales and service. 
And then from that is bred into different lines and opportunities. I have worked with groups and teams on their communication styles, how to tell stories. I've emceed events and I've produced events to really create an emotional connection to a problem, to a solve, to a solution, to a theme, et cetera. The lost art of human connection on digital world is really important. We have so many opportunities to connect digitally, but how are we remaining as human and connected in that fashion? Because we want to do business with people we're connected with. And johnpetz.com, J-O-N-P-E-T-Z.com. You mentioned I'm out there on social. I I don't do a whole lot in social. I do it myself and I'm just trying to be me. I'm me on and off stage. And I like being me. You are gregarious on stage and you're gregarious off stage. You seem like a caring person on stage. And when you get off stage, I'd say you, you are even more of a caring person. One of the things that I'm thinking about when you talked about some of the different ways that people can work with you and understanding some of our audiences, almost all companies are in some form of remote or flexible work, call it. And so these in-person events that companies continue to throw and are doing more of to be able to create those connections become even more important for those to go well. And so whether it's having John come in and talk as a speaker to where he can help your team understand how to communicate better or him producing the event and seeing the event and making sure the event goes as well as possible, I think are two ways that you can really add value to some of our listeners and help make those events even more impactful because the more that we do these Zoom meetings, the less time that we have to spend in person, the less of that meandering coffee time we have in the office, the more important those structured in-person get-togethers get. So a better way to make that go as well as possible was besides hiring someone that's done it since 2004 and done it successfully every year since. Like we were talking before, you've been on the road almost every day since January 5th. There's a reason why that is. It's because of the customers that you serve. So I'll put your information in the show notes, encourage people to check you out. He's not as active on social media, but he will be for at least a week <laughs> after this episode because he'll have some content to use. And him and I are going to talk more about that at a later time. But we why don't are. you take us we away are. with your best routine or habit? Yeah, it won't be a magical secret here. It's the basic word of listening. My favorite habit for myself is actually post-presentation which generally you're grateful that audience members come up, want to do pictures or shake your hands or sign in the books. And I asked a question, so what did you get out of it? I know it was fun and we had this, but what did you get out? And it really hones me into what my message is about and how I related to that individual person. And when you do a presentation in construction, in engineering, in human connect, whatever, you want to have people respond in a particular way, but how do they really internalize it? You never know unless you ask. So I try not to run out immediately after any conferences or shows if I can, and I sit and I talk and I listen, and I want to know what impacted them. And then from that, I'm like, how can I even make that more meaningful, go deeper and engage them on an even larger level than I did? Number one habit. And I love that. A lot of people, I don't think I know, a lot of people seek affirmation and approval. And so if it went well, I can see where people would want to stick around. But if your point isn't to stick around and hear that it went well, yeah, that's great. You want to understand what actually resonated with people. And if that lined up with what you originally intended it to, and if it did or it didn't, that impacts how you present to the next group. And you've been able to just build on that for the last 19 years. It's been since 2004. (laughs) It's crazy. I know. (laughs) <laughs> since I had a real job, as I say. Yeah. <laughs> now you have a fun job. All right, John, this has been fantastic. I really appreciate Matthew your time. Um, Thank thanks you. for everyone that tuned in. Strongly encourage you to check out John Pets. Follow him on social media. He's going to be posting way more. In the future, he's going to be doing a podcast and you'll have all his connection information in the show notes. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.
Thanks.